Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. It's Romans chapter 1. I'll be reading 1 through 7 and then 14 through 17. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to be obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I am obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. This is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The Lord's Word. I wasn't always a preacher, nor was I always a Christian. I met Jesus at a young age, a long time ago, thanks to my parents, Sunday school, probably other forces and factors and influences in my life. And as I recall, I, you know, I'm a little fuzzy on the, the details, but one day as a child, I took the initiative to go to my mother and say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to nail this thing down with Jesus. And I don't remember what I actually said, but uh, she took me into her bedroom I don't know if we kneeled or if we just sat on her bed, uh, but she helped me uh, to, to pray. She gave me words to, to ask, help, help me ask Jesus uh, to save me. And I'll go ahead and say, you know, uh, I did not have a profound sense of, of brokenness and lostness. I didn't understand the world of the mid-1990s, but I knew enough, and that's the miracle I knew enough I, I wanted to be found. I knew enough to say yes to Jesus. And as I've grown over the years, uh, I sure do admire five-year-old Cam's just unsophisticated audacity. You know, indeed, I can learn so much from five-year-old Cam, his ability to just simply say yes to the gospel. The gospel. The gospel is good news. 
It's an announcement. It's, it's an announcement of this event. Something has happened. Something really big has happened. You see, God has entered into the human story. His name is Jesus. And in love, uh, Jesus came to heal and graciously redeem creation, to redeem humanity uh, as our substitute. The gospel is a, is a message about deliverance. It's this announcement. In seven words, Jesus is the crucified and risen Lord. And believing in this announcement, knowing it to be true, trusting in this, having faith, believing in this good announcement, this is what makes you right with God. As I just said, the gospel is an event, okay? But yet, uh, a better word here, perhaps, is, is happening. The gospel is a happening. Because the gospel is still powerfully happening today. It's happening right now in this room. The message about this happening the message has power. It has power to deliver us, to, to rescue us in multiple dynamic ways. And so let me frame it up this way. Here we go. The gospel has the power to save us from the penalty of sin. We are also being saved from the power of sin. We will be saved from the presence of sin. Let me say that again, but put some theological terms attached to it. The gospel has the power to save us from the penalty of sin. That's what we call justification. We're also in the process of being saved from the power of sin. That's the process of sanctification. And someday we will be saved from all the presence of sin once and for all. And that's what we call glorification. The gospel is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. And so last week, we started a conversation. We're talking about the gospel. The gospel uh, can be approached from different perspectives. It can be boiled down into a few sentences. We also could stretch it out for hours and hours and just explore all the dynamics and things like that. Last week, we took a look at the gospel through the perspective of God's presence and God's purity. Well, today, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the gospel through the perspective of God's power. God's power. That's what we're going to consider today. We're going to be exploring it through these angles as well. Um, let me say a prayer, and then we'll, we'll boogie. Heavenly Father, God, may our dry bones hear your word, your message today. We thank you for the promise of, of the new covenant. We thank you that your word has power. As your words proclaimed in the other building with our little kids, Lord, uh, your word has power. We pray for our children's ministry, God, today as well. We pray for us today. Give us life today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so the gospel has the power to save us from the penalty of, of sin. It has the power to justify us. Okay, Justification is a declaration that is spoken over you. Justification is the declaration that you have right standing with God. But first, a story. Let's go to Abraham. Abraham and Sarah 
Genesis 15 and other places in, in Genesis, you can check out their story. God calls Abraham and Sarah. God calls them uh, and he says, okay, through your family, you are going to bless all the other families of the earth. God gives them this promise, okay? But there's a problem. There's a problem here. Uh, they're definitely on the, I don't want to say old or elderly. <laughs> they're on the, the way, like, they're, they're far away from childbearing years. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're on the older side of life. Like, now's not the time to be having kids. All right, that ship has sailed. Um, it didn't happen for them. And so there's a problem that kind of comes with this, this promise. But here's, here's a miracle. Abraham believed God. He believed God, okay? And God was like, okay, because you're, you're trusting me in this promise, because you're having faith, because you're believing in me, in this situation that kind of seems in, impossible here, but because your faith is in me and not yourself, Abraham, we're cool. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as, as righteousness, as the Bible says. In Romans chapter 4, church planner, disciple maker, Paul, he, he uses this story to help explain how we are justified through, through faith. And Paul points out, you know, it wasn't Abraham's works that made him right or justified with God, but faith is what makes people right with God. Faith in Jesus is what makes them right with God. In his current state, Abraham had no reason to hope for children. All right? No reason at all. But he believed in God's promises for him. And God declared him to be in right standing. So let's listen in. Romans chapter 4, Paul's explanation here. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. That's what his name means. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were, not written, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Faith makes people right with God. And kind of to the point, the message of the gospel has the power to justify you. Justification is a legal term. The judge declares you to be right. So therefore, in a way, perhaps, to help us understand this, uh, the gospel 
saves us from the penalty of sin. In Christ, we are justified. We're liberated from, from sin. You are now a new human. Okay, uh, you're, you're dead to the old ways, and now you are made alive in God, in, in, in Christ Jesus. Okay, you are justified, and that also means you are brought into the family of, of God, into this as we find out, it doesn't say just Abraham's family, but now it's this multi-ethnic, multicultural, uh, big spiritual family of, of God. Just a bunch of new humans being remade in Jesus, trying to figure things out, what it means to be a new human. Now there's more good news. Someday, the gospel will save you from all the presence of sin. This is what we call glorification. The happening of the gospel is good news for our, our future. God wants to share his glory with you. It's a holy glory, which means that there's no uh, impurities there. Paul notes in Romans chapter 8, For those he justified, he will also glorify. The ultimate state of the faith family is that someday we will be like Jesus. 1 John chapter 3, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has, yet, has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, someday in the future, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now I've come to learn, left alone to my own devices, on the best of days, I can hope that I just return to the dirt without, like, blowing things up. Okay? But thankfully, I am not on my own, and I don't need to lean on my own devices. Our hope and dreams don't need to end in the heart of a, of a graveyard. We will be like Jesus. We will be with Jesus. And someday, Jesus will make sin and darkness just this little footnote to our, our history. Little asterisk there. Yep, it's been handled, it's been taken care of, it's been justified, it's been worked out, it's gone. John also says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we're invited into this relationship. We do have responsibility here. You know, we, we are living beings. We, we, we get to... We get to walk and flesh things out. We get to learn and grow and, and, and do all of these things. You know, we, we don't just wait around, but we practice the hope that we have today. We, we, we practice, okay, let's figure out what does it mean to be a Christian, a little Christ. Let's, let's figure this out. In John's language, it's, it's hey, let's purify ourselves. Let's, let's try to be like Jesus. And so the happening of the, of the gospel is good news for our future history. But the happening of the gospel is also good news for the history that we inhabit right now. And so this leads us to the process of sanctification. Gospel power in our life means that we're in the process of being saved. Like, right now. We're in the, we're in the process of being saved from, from sin. Meaning we're, we're being shifted from unbelief to believe. We're ironing out those, those wrinkles. We're untangling those knots. 
It's the process of, of sanctification, becoming, becoming holy, becoming set apart in Jesus. Justification is being declared right with God's glorification is being complete in God. Sanctification is becoming who we are in God. Now, a key word that I just want to pause on here for, for a few moments is the word process. Process. It's about process, not perfection. And let, let me explain. As it said, perfect is the enemy of the good. Certainly, perfection, that's an admirable thing to grow towards. Holiness, absolutely, like, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be pure. So absolutely, head in that direction. That's our trajectory. But it all happens in the framework of grace. Okay? It doesn't happen through the demands of our own rules and regulations. Meaning, don't put such high demands on your faith walk that you ultimately crush under the weight of your own standards. And your, under your own rules. Okay? Live in grace. But on the other hand, process also implies movement and development and growth. All right, so we don't want to we don't want to sacrifice progress on the altar of laziness and, and apathy. So there is this this swing here, and there is this this narrow road, this 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 balance here, becoming like Jesus. It's the grace of God moving in our life. We do not earn sanctity; we already have it through Christ. Sanctification is becoming who we already are in Christ. Let's check out Romans chapter 5. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Do you guys see the process there? And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So in Christ, we find ourselves in wide open spaces of grace and glory. And we get to rejoice and worship God in grace and glory. But there's also suffering and trouble. We get to rejoice through times of trouble too because God uses that stuff too for our sanctification. We're on this, this journey, this, this process of becoming who we are in, in Christ. And, and God has poured out his love into our hearts. And God demonstrates us. He proves to us how much he loves us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we're baptized into the life and death of Jesus. And you know what? We're, we're baptized into his death, which means we're, we're like buried with Jesus. We're also raised with Jesus. And again, we're new humans learning to walk in the Jesus way. Faith makes us right with God. And the gospel powerfully places us into this, this peaceful relationship with God. It's totally 
all his work. It's him who does who does the work here. We're brought into this relationship with, with God, and again, peace has been made, and God pours out his love into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. And it's in this loving relationship, again, we learn what it means to be human. We learn what it means to be godly. So, sanctification, also called <coughs> discipleship sometimes, you know, becoming who we are, it is a work of the Spirit. And certainly, sometimes God can move fast in a person's heart. You can see changes like, whoa, wow, awesome, amazing, a miracle. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's the long road. I shouldn't say sometimes, it's, it's our life. We're, we never graduate out of this, this sanctification process until, until Jesus says, you know, it's time for glory. We never graduate past the gospel. It is a process. So we're, we're growing in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. To be strong in the Lord. What it means to fear the Lord. We're going through character transformation. God's working on our, our hearts. We're also growing in these gifts, you know. We come into the life of Christ and we find out that the Holy Spirit gives us these, these gifts, supernatural gifts. Yeah, we get to grow in those things too. <clears throat> to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good of the community. So let's, let's recap here. The gospel is not just this Easter weekend thing that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not just something that happened it's happening today and will continue to happen. The gospel has the power to save us from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from, from its power and someday we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Now, there's power in this message. There's power in this news. And so for Paul, the author of the letter to, to the Romans, you know, he is on this mission to preach the gospel. And Paul uh, describes where he's at in, in Romans chapter 1. He's like, I am eager to proclaim this good news. All right, he's, he's ready in the mind to be a good newser. He, he wants to just get this out. He is ready to go. He's ready to speak the good news. He knows that there's power in the gospel. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed what happened in history because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. As an illustration, I think of like a, a dark light bulb. A dark bulb, perhaps. <laughs> What's going to make it turn on? Well, we, we, we need power. We need God's power. And God's power is available, and it's a gift. It's a gift. God's power can light up this light bulb. And the power can make this bulb grow brighter and brighter and brighter. And you know what? Um, the, the, the power of, of God uh, 
it can make this thing glow so bright and light up the darkness, the darkness will never, ever overcome it. The gospel is about Jesus. Jesus is the light, and the light powerfully shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome the light. So with everything that that you heard today, if you think you have no reason to hope, if you think you are beyond hope, that you're too far gone, if you think hope is just wishful thinking or just, just trying to stay positive, I want to tell you from the bottom of my, my heart to yours, the gospel message is a gift. It's about a gift. And you're invited to believe. Believe that God loves you and graciously offers Rescue from sin and death, whether salvation, rescue, deliverance, whatever word you want to pick there, finding you. God comes to us and he does this alone. God in Christ has, has entered the human story. His name is Jesus. Jesus came to heal creation and that includes you. Jesus died for you. And his resurrection is the powerful beginning of new creation. We're going to celebrate that in two Sundays, Lord willing. The gospel is the message that God has already said yes to you and no to your sin and death. The gospel is, a, is about a gift. You cannot earn it. You either accept or reject it. Now, if you're unsure that you are justified, then the invite for you today, if you feel ready for it, the invite for you today is to say yes to God's yes that he is, that has already been spoken over you. Jesus died for you. He is raised to life. Do you believe? If you know that you are justified, then say yes and amen and hallelujah to that and remember that you are declared right with God. You have already been powerfully scooped up by the loving arms of the Father and you are carried from death into life. Amen? The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now finally, I just want to consider... Here at the end, just a little bit of, of how, how the gospel affects the way we think and talk. Just to kind of drive it in here. How many times in your life have you asked God for salvation? As I shared with you, as far as I know, I became a Christian when I was age five. I believe that's, that's when it happened for me. But I have asked God, I've cried out to God so many times. God save me. God save me. We had this VHS Jesus movie 
tells the story of Jesus and, and all of that. And then at the end, before it goes to the credits, they essentially do like the sinner's prayer. It's on the screen. It's like, I watch the Jesus movie, say the prayer, make the decision. So many times I was led to, to say yes to this decision of, of Jesus. And, and so, you know, the thing is, though, there, there's always this, this it, it, I wasn't quite full on the other side of making that decision. And I think, you know, part of the, perhaps in reflection here is, is you know, I was, I was saying yes to Jesus out of fear. So many times. Perhaps it was unsureness. Okay. And this is where I just want to like speak to everyone like and come alongside of your heart and say like, if you've said yes to Jesus, what that means is that you can rest. God has declared you right. You've been carried from death into life. Sure, there might be space for, like, rededications to Christ and stuff like that. But, like, you can rest in Jesus. How does the gospel shape the way you think about yourself? You are in the family of God. You are a daughter, a son of God. Now, if justification declares that we're right with God. How does that change the way we think about ourselves? How we talk about ourselves or how we think or talk to others? Again, we've been legally declared right with God. All right? And we are we are the the new Creation here. We're, we're a gathering of, of new humans. And yeah, we're not perfect. Far from it. We're, 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 we're coming together here. Jesus is our center. And we're, 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 we're trying to live life in light of the gospel. And we're trying to, like, what does it mean that we, like, we are right with God? Well, guess what? That old creation slips in. Sometimes we tend to speak to each other with guilt rather than grace. And it might actually sound like this. You should pray more. I don't give enough. You should eat less ice cream. I should reach out more. You shouldn't wear that. You're watching too much basketball. I really don't Sabbath well. You should clean things up, tidy up, don't parent like that person. Just a few examples. Sometimes how we, how we speak, whether to ourselves or about others, etc. We're in the family of God. Then let's not bring this, this like guilt and shame-based language to our conversation. Let's be in an encouraging family and, and not, not be... Behavior modification lawyers. And the key word is should or ought. You know? When we when we listen, wait a second, that that sounds like you're utilizing guilt there. Let's go back, let's go back to the gospel. We are justified, we are in the family of God, we are swimming in grace. Okay. Sometimes we get really good at utilizing guilt, fear, shame. That sometimes others don't even notice how icky it is. Okay. 
Let the gospel shape how we live. There might be a lot of principles there. Yeah, maybe maybe it's wise to cut back on ice cream, you know. Maybe, maybe it's wise to practice healthy Sabbath rhythms. Absolutely. There's wisdom there. But let's approach things from a posture of grace. We're in the family of God. Let's, let's be encouragers. Okay? If we really want the, the gospel reality to shape how we speak, then believe that, that God loves you and everyone in this room, and there is no performance or lack thereof that is going to change that. We're all creatures of grace, and in light of being one big family here, still growing and learning, let the gospel shape your language, your vocabulary, your actions. It's like we're all, we're all trying to learn how to ride this bike. Some of us are further up the slope, you know. We're cheering each other on, a great crowd of, of witnesses. Or it's almost like, um, you know, when a, when, a, when a baby learns how to walk, if they fall down or if they stumble, we don't get our scorecards out. We don't say, I've seen better. No, we, we cheer every single, every single step forward, every bit of progress. We celebrate that. That's sanctification. We're growing. If something in our head, a light bulb goes off, let's celebrate that. If something in our heart just starts to glow a little bit more, let's celebrate that. Some people haven't met grace. But God loves them. How does the gospel shape how we treat that person? So in conclusion here, when we know we are justified, we know We know, we know that we are right with God. And there's liberation and freedom in that. It is a legal term that is used here in our scripture to declare our status, our identity before God. When we know our new and true identity in Christ, then we can start to see that we are here for a reason. But there is purpose for my life. The more we grow in this gospel, the more we see that there's a bigger story to believe in. There's a bigger story than our lives, a story that draws us beyond ourselves, a bigger story that actually has like a mission. There's a purpose here, a big purpose. So come back next week, please. I beg you, please come back next week. We're going to explore the gospel through the perspective purpose. Let's pray.